God's wonderful. I saw a little um, joke on social media this week, and it was a couple of Christians at somebody's front door, you know, in an almost Jehovah's Witness type way, knocking on the door and saying, have you found Jesus? And there was this woman answering the door. But what you could see inside was, you know, behind the curtains, there was these two feet sticking out and an obvious impression of Jesus hidden behind the curtains. Have you found Jesus? He's in here, actually. He's hiding, you know. I want to talk about seeking God today. Have you found Jesus? And uh, really just stir some thinking with regards to that. We're on the subject of limitless God's spirit without measure. And so I want us to think a little bit more about that. Last time I spoke two weeks ago, uh, I was talking about the fact that the streams of God are full of water. God is a limitless God with immense power and immense wisdom and immense strength and immense comfort for all of our lives. Amen. But God doesn't deal with us was our conclusion at the point of our need. He doesn't deal with us because we have need. If God dealt with humanity because humanity has need, then uh, need across the globe will be wiped out in a second because he's more than able. Agreed? He deals with us in accordance with our longings. Uh, The phrase, he meets us at the altar of our appetite. In other words, you have what you crave for. He says, come to me all you who are thirsty. And Isaiah 55 begins with this. Come all you are thirsty, come to the waters. You have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what's not bread and labor on what what does not satisfy? Um, We have to come to God with our thirst. Who's thirsty this morning? Give me a little wave, thirsty Christians. And then later on in Isaiah 55, it's got this wonderful verse. It says this, um, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he's near. Say, seek the Lord. Lord. We've got to be a people that know how to seek God. I want to talk to you about the lost art of seeking God this morning. I believe seeking God is a lost art. Many Christians are happy to come to church services, sing the songs, listen to the sermons, go to the connect groups. But actually, seeking God is a lost art in our generation. We have a generation that struggles to be alone, a generation that struggles with silence, a generation that struggles with the deeper issues of, can I be a man of God before him? Can I seek him and find him? Who wants to not just find church, but find God? Get this wonderful story in Genesis. Jacob uh, has a dream and he meets God in the dream and he calls that place Bethel, the house of God. Actually, you can still see from the story he's very selfish. It's actually he's had a consumerist encounter with God. But then life goes on and the well-known story of Jacob wrestling with God. You know the one? And Jacob wrestles with God and there he goes through a far deeper, you could even say painful because he limps thereafter, encounter with God. He wrestles. Say wrestles. Say I'm wrestling. Say I'm a wrestler. Then say to your neighbor, who? You know, you're a wrestler. To really get to grips with God, can I be honest with you? Here we are in our nice air-conditioned, comfortable seated, projected cinema, singing lovely songs to God. But can I be honest with you? There is something far deeper than all the nice, modern, consumeristic appearance that that might have. We're wrestling our way through to a deep relationship with the Almighty. That's what this is about. 
And so Jacob goes from Bethel, the house of God, then he actually meets God in a deeply life-transforming way that wasn't just about God looking after me, but actually about God touching my life and making me holy. Do you know what he called that place? He called it Peniel. He called it the face of God, that means. We've all got to go in our lives from the house of God, I know church, to the face of God, I know God. And then the last encounter in his life, he meets God again and he calls Bethel. He changes the name of the first place and he says, I'm going to call it El Bethel, which means the God of the house of God. And that really is the cycle of a believer. You start with the house of God, then you wrestle your way through to actually meeting God himself. And then the house begins to make sense to you because it becomes the house of the God who's in the house. Amen. It becomes about him. And so I want to speak this morning about the lost art of seeking him. And I suppose I want to inspire you, encourage you to seek God for yourself. With regards seeking the presence of God, there's three aspects that I want to touch on this morning. And let's hope we get them in. I want to be, I want to be finished fairly soon so that we can just worship God and really make something of what I've shared with you. Um, three aspects to it. Number one is we, we're supposed to seek the power of God. Say the power. Number two, we're supposed to seek the wisdom of God. Say the wisdom. wisdom. And number three, we're supposed to seek the face of God. Say the face. Okay. Let's begin with the power of God. We're supposed to seek the power of God. A trendy saying these days is don't seek his hand, seek his face. That's not biblical. You're supposed to seek his hand as well. Now, we know his face is greater, and we'll come to that later, but you're supposed to seek the power, the authority, the movement of God in your life. So in Acts chapter 4, um, we find that uh, the, the young disciples, they're, they're all newly saved and there's been a revival. Then they start to be persecuted and they get together and they pray. And this is what they pray. They pray to God. Listen, is this a prayer that we think often? They pray to God, God, stretch forth your hand. In other words, let your power be revealed. When the Bible talks about the hand of God, think of work now. He's talking about the power of God. We are supposed to seek the power of God in our lives. You're not supposed to be a Christian 20 years and still not know how to shift a headache with the power of God. You're, you can't be a Christian 20 years and still not know how to shift a debt, overcome a financial issue. Protect your children through prayer. Bring a shift in the evangelism in your area. Uh, take a, a department from difficult to breakthrough. Take a family from difficult to breakthrough because people, that's what the power of God is there to do. He wants to make a difference. He's talking of heaven on earth. So it's not theoretical religion that it's okay and I'll be happy when I die because I'll be with God. Who wants to be happy now? We want breakthrough. Now, so we should seek the power of God for breakthrough. So how do we do that? Very briefly, we seek the power of God, listen, by being led by the Spirit of God. This is how you find the power of God. You become led by the Spirit of God. Uh, I know I've done this before, but I'm going to say it because we're doing some, some, kind of, um, some, some basics today and I want something for the more experienced ones today. But if you look in the Bible at Luke chapter 3 and 4, you don't need to turn to it. I'll give you an overview now, but you'll find it in Luke 3 from about verse 20 onwards. Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit at the Jordan. And so he gets filled with God's Holy Spirit. Then the next thing that happens in Luke 4 is he begins to be led by the Spirit. Say led. 
So he's led by the Spirit. Then he goes through the wilderness. And then it says uh, halfway through Luke 4, he, he comes into the full power of the Spirit. So listen, filled, led, power. The difference between being filled and enjoying the power is being led. In other words, I start to listen and do what he says. That's where the power of God is. It's as though obedience to God's voice is the pivot point between the invisible realm and God breaking through into your world. God, I've got a debt issue. And you seek God and he says, do this. And you do it and there's financial breakthrough. God, I'm in physical pain. What shall I do? Sometimes he says something rather simple. I remember once he said to someone, I wish it was an arthritic condition, I think it was. Anyway, pains in the joints and that kind of thing. And God just said, put lemon juice on it. And now, listen, who knows you and I that put in jiff, or what was it called? Sif. What's it called? You know, you put on pancakes. Jiff, right? Putting jiff on your joints won't heal you. Anybody with me? But listen, look at the Bible. Waving sticks over Red Seas doesn't part them either. You can go to Bridlington and spend all the time you want waving sticks over a sea. The act of obedience to God's voice releases power. So a lady put put the lemon on her joints and they were all healed overnight. Naaman, story from the Old Testament, go wash in the dirty river. Go, it's like saying, go wash in the Humber. Really, hot chocolate. Go wash in the Humber seven times and you'll be healed of your leprosy. The act of obedience released the power of God into their world. So listen, the power of God comes from being led by the Spirit of God. And when we begin to hear his voice and do what he says, incredible things happen. Why? Uh, work with me on this one. The centurion, uh, Jesus talking to the centurion. Centurion comes to Jesus and said, my servant's ill, a dying, um, but I know I'm, I'm not worthy to have you come to my house. I know if you just say the word, he's going to be healed. And he says this, listen to this. This is, this is incredible. He says, because I'm a man under authority. In other words, I've got a boss. Uh, and I'm a man under authority with men under me. In other words, I understand the flow of the chain of command. That when a higher authority speaks to a lower authority, things change. So why do we need to be led by God? Well, because this is what being led. People can be filled and fall about and be completely sinful and not listen to a word God says and still think it's all about a goosebump. But the moment you say, God, I want to be led by you. In other words, it's this. I want to receive commands from you. I want to align with your way of thinking. I want to receive an order. I want to stand, use the pictures now. I want to stand at the walls of Jericho and know what to do. Shout. Okay, well, shout. Who knows that shouting doesn't bring down the walls of a city? But it did. The act of obedience was the pivot point between heaven and earth. And heaven came to earth through the conduit of their obedience. So if you seek the power of God, if you've got situations you can't shift, you've got sickness, you've got relational breakdown, you've got debt, what do you need to do to seek the power of God? You need not a miracle, you need an instruction. Because it's the instruction that leads to the miracle. So we must seek the power of God by seeking the instruction of God. Are you with me? That's how you find the power of God. 
Go, go and stretch that. Go and read into it. You'll find that's how you find the power of God. Last Sunday, I was ministering in another church. And um, uh, Sunday morning, I'd preached. And we were having a bit of a worship time at the end and a bit of uh, ministry. And I just felt God say, uh, there's someone here with a, a problem with their leg. And, and there's a little bit of a story behind it. And I gave some of the story. And I just felt God say, but don't call them out. Don't, don't do anything. You just say it. That was all you needed to do. So I just carried on. The meeting finishes. I'm sitting down at the end, recovering from myself ministering. And I'm sitting there and, you know, say hi to a few people and they're all slinking off. And then this huge guy walks over, very, very tall, tears streaming down his face. And he just comes up to me and he said, you know, I was the leg. <laughs> okay, there's two very long legs in front of me. I was the leg. And as you spoke, all the pain left from years of injury on my leg, all the pain left. I was the leg. When we release the words of heaven, it releases the power of heaven. Listen, you want power? Because who knows, the missing ingredient in the church today is authority and power. We can do it. We can talk about it all. But listen, give us the church that actually does it and you'll have a church in revival. So how do we actually do it? We listen and obey. That's where the power of God is. Amen. So the way we seek the power of God is listening to the voice of God. The second thing that we need to do is we need to seek the wisdom of God. Say wisdom. Wisdom. We seek the wisdom of God because I feel that we really live in the shallows of God's wisdom. Think about this for a moment. I was thinking about Noah getting a design for the ark from God. I was thinking about Moses getting the design for the tabernacle right down to the tassels and the colors and the badger skins and the this and the that. I was thinking about um, uh, David getting the design for the, for the temple. Solomon, his wisdom on life. Even John in the New Testament now, the book of Revelation, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he has these incredible wisdom revelations from God, incredible understanding from God. Do you know that in the presence of God, there is wisdom? And I think actually it's a lost art that many of us hardly ever listen to the wisdom of God. The presence of God is filled with his wisdom. Right down to the intricacies of God's design and plan and strategy for your life. They're sitting there in the presence of God waiting for you. If you've got a Bible, turn to the book of James. James chapter 1. James 1, great scripture on wisdom. It says this, James 1 verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Listen to this, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must, not, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. This man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, unstable in all he does. It's an incredible scripture. Anybody ever lack wisdom? What to do, where to go, what... Listen, the rest of you are liars. Everybody in this room should have their hand raised. If not, you're not doing anything in life, right? When Solomon took on his position of leadership, he said, God, give me wisdom. In other words, what do I do? How do I do this? Who do I put in positions of leadership? How do I arrange parts of my kingdom? What do I do? 
Now, if you're not doing anything in life, you've got no desire for wisdom. But to have a, what do I do in our spirits is where we should be at. But here's the wonderful gift of God that he says, if you lack wisdom, come and ask and I'll give to you liberally without finding fault. But he says, here's the provider, proviso, you must believe and not doubt. Now, listen, I use this scripture in my life all the time. Uh, I prepare all of my messages. I begin like this. It's almost a little ritual in my life. I say, God, on the basis of James chapter one, I ask you for wisdom and I trust you to tell me what to do. And okay, so what I mean by that is if I was to continue the prayer to explain, I would go, God, I expect you to give me a dream or talk to me through someone or something that I'm reading, or I'm reading the Bible and something pops out at me, or suddenly there's a wave of a feeling of excitement about a certain thing. But I expect you to speak so that I can begin to follow what you tell me to do. Because I don't want to live in independence. I want to live in dependence on you. James chapter one, you lack wisdom, just ask him and he'll give it you. A man I know was, uh, was uh, in a church talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the wisdom of God. And he could see that they really weren't very interested. They were all looking a bit bored and a bit like you guys now, really. And, um, and uh, he was about to close his Bible and God just spoke to him as he was about to. It just came into his spirit. You know, in the Old Testament, the lovely phrases like this, the word of the Lord came to me. I tell you, if you've never had that, be jealous for it. Be, be, be craving it. Because that moment when the word of the Lord comes to you, you, live your, you build your life on those words. So anyway, he's there at the front in the slightly bored little congregation. And the word of the Lord just came to him. God just threw something into his spirit. And he had this little vision. And it's about someone at the back of the, of the hall. And he said, you young man, um, I believe you haven't seen your father since you were nine years old. And I just had this little vision of the side of a haulage truck. And on the side of the haulage truck was a telephone number. I'm going to give you that number. You can go outside right now and call him. And I believe you'll talk to your father. So he tells him the number that he saw on the side of the haulage truck. The lad confirms, yes, I haven't known my dad since I was nine years old or whatever the age was. And so he walks outside to the payphone. So it was a little while ago. He walks outside to the payphone and he comes in 10 minutes later, tears streaming down his face. I've just talked to my dad. Wisdom. I mean, if God can tell Noah how to build an ark. So, so work with me. What do you think that looked like? How did he do that? David, this is, this is how I want the, the temple to look. Uh, Moses, I want them dressed like this. Yeah. How exact have you let God be with you? Yeah. Psalm 139 says he has more thoughts concerning you than there is sand on the seashore. How detailed have you let God be with you? I think seeking wisdom is a lost art in our age. We do what we feel, we do what makes us happy, we do what we want. But how many are going, God, I think I'll take some hours out here and just listen to you to hear what you say. The wisdom of God is available. Amen. Amen. We need to learn to inquire of the spirit. There's a wonderful scripture. I've got to do it quickly. I'll just I'll, I'll finish with this little point and then just do the last one. Habakkuk. Just jot it if you've got notes and I'll let me read it to you. Habakkuk 2 and verse 1, 2 and 3 says this. I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see. Can you say see? see. I, I, say this. I'm going to station myself, I'm going to, station myself to, see. to see. 
He says, I'm going to station myself to see what he, God that is, will say to me. And it goes on. God says, write down the revelation, make it plain on tablets that anyone who reads it may run with it. Listen to this. I wonder if we do this. I wonder if maybe we've got our heads down and we're getting on with our life and we're kind of doing what we feel, but don't give a lot of time to pause and seek the wisdom of God. How many blind alleys do we go down? How many things that are wishes but not visions from heaven do we try and fulfill? But here it says, here's a picture of how to hear the voice of God. I will station myself somewhere high who will ascend the hill of the Lord. You know, going into the presence of God is described as an upward movement. See, when we come to church here, I want you to know heaven isn't coming down. Spiritually, the dynamic is this. We're ascending. And so we walk in full of just the weak for some of us, right? And we gather together and through worship, we rise up the hill of the Lord. And suddenly at some point, you start to smell fresh air. Anybody? You start to go, wow. And you break through into this other world. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? So this is what it's saying. I station myself. In other words, I'm going to be purposeful about getting God's wisdom for my life. Because I'm a servant now. I'm under orders now. If I want his power, I need to see what he's saying. So I'm going to seek the wisdom of God. You're going to find all these points flow into each other, really. I'm seeking his wisdom. And he says, I'll station myself to see. In other words, I'm going to start to look. And, and it's this, with the eyes of my heart and with the ears of my spirit, I'm going to start to hear what God says. I'm expecting on the basis of James 1, a dream, a vision, something to leap to life inside of me. Listen, if you've never had this, it's time to get to this stage, young Christian. It's time to rise to the place where you go, right, I'm going to give some time to seek his wisdom. Because God is a God of detail. And it says what to do. God said this, write it down. Listen, make it plain. Because many of our God moments are a little bit mysterious, a little bit, I had a dream about that, you know. The young guy gets the word, you shall go out with joy. And he's thinking he's looking for all the girls called joy to go out with them, you know. It's... In other words, is it, there's sometimes a bit of interpretation and clarification to go on, but you've got your Bible, there's great books to read, you've got pastors, you've got connect groups. Learn how to hear God's voice. Maybe we need to do some more on that in church together. Learn how to hear God's voice. I'm going to stand on the rampart and I'm going to look for the wisdom of heaven. Listen, and this is how I live my life and I learned it from a wonderful man of God. In the early 90s, he said, get a pad and a pen and write down what you think God's saying. There's something about the contract you, who knows, you can be a bit of a pool of different thoughts. But when you stop and you stand to look properly, for me, get a pad and a pen and write down what your spirit is really churning with. Suddenly, clarification. God, I don't need to churn with possibilities and my thoughts, enemy thoughts, even insecure thoughts and God thoughts. I need to clarify so I can run. Okay, so go study Habakkuk 2, one, 1 to 3 yourself. I need to clarify so I can run. We need to seek the wisdom of God. 1990, after learning this, I remember locking myself away. I booked a day away, locked myself away, pad and a pen, and God spoke to me for eight hours in one day. I was just snot and tears and tissues and writing. And, you know, I've spent my life outworking what I heard back then, 25 years ago in 1990. God's a God of detail. I don't know about you, I long to hear his voice. I get really bored of my own. <laughs> don't be cheeky, anyone, say so do we. 
I long to hear his voice. So seek the wisdom of God by standing, expecting, writing, and clarifying. Yeah. The, one of the greatest things in your life is to start to journal and write down what he says. Because clarity will come. God's a God of detail. So number one, seek his power. Uh, start to be led and you'll begin to see power. Seek his wisdom. Stop, look, listen, write, and begin to gather the wisdom of God into your life. It will utterly transform you. Think of what wisdom did for Solomon. He's the richest king ever to live. Even in this day, he'd still be by far the richest king on the planet. That's what God's wisdom does. Number three, seek his face. Seek his power, seek his wisdom. Seek his face. Now, I think this really is a lost art. So often I, I go to prayer meetings and it's request, 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 like God's some divine slot machine. Do you know what I mean? Request, request, request. We need to pray about that. We mustn't forget them. Got to remember that missionary, this child, this need. And, you know, list, 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 list. Stick it all on a PowerPoint. Follow a list. Make, make sure, this is the kind of feeling, make sure we've mentioned everything so no one gets left out. And God's in heaven going, I died for a relationship. Yeah. I'm not a slot machine. Actually, you seek me and everything else will happen. If you seek me you won't, and really connect with me, you won't have to tell me 10 times. You'll get halfway through the sentence and I'll say it's done. Why? Because we're close. 2 Chronicles 7.14 talks about if you crave, if you require of necessity my face, I'll, I'll look from heaven, I'll see from heaven, I'll heal your land, I'll forgive your sin. And he says this, and my heart will be where you are. Yabba, dabba, do. My heart will be near you when you seek my face. We've got to get back to what it means to seek the face of God, amen? To require of necessity. God's face. Psalm 63, if you've got a Bible, turn there. Psalm 63. Listen to this, I love this. Um, Phil, would you just come and help me because we're drawing to a close and I want us to flow into worship. Thanks, mate, appreciate it. Psalm 63 says this, catch this heart what does it mean to seek the face of God? Listen to me for a moment. I think of words like longing. Say longing. longing. Craving. Craving. Desiring. Listen to this. Oh God. Make sure it's loud enough above the piano. Oh God, you're my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. Not just for answers or for power, but for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there's no water. Listen to this. Can you say that this is your testimony? I've seen you. I've seen you. Or do we just see church? I've seen you in the sanctuary. I went there. I, I ascended the hill of the Lord and I got my heart close to yours. I've met you before. So he's coming again. I love this. You see, once you've really tasted God, you realize church is the after effect of God. 
I've seen you in the sanctuary. Listen to this. I've beheld your power and your glory. Catch this. Your love. This is a phrase not many will understand. If you've never seen him, you won't understand it. Because to you, the basic passions of humanity, which is the, the, the striving for survival, would be the greatest thing in your life. But once you've met him, you'll know that the love of God exceeds the drive to stay alive. That's why the Apostle Paul would say, for me to live, to be honest, is Christ, i.e. suffering. To die is going to be gain. Why? Because I've seen him and I just want to be with him. So one thing I do, calling everything else dung, I press on for the one thing. And this guy's in the same place. This is the dynamic of a man after God's own heart. He says, I've seen you in the sanctuary. I've beheld your power and your glory. And now this is his testimony. I know your love is better than life. I'd rather be near your love than alive. Because I've been near you, God. It's not about living, not about how many years I can scrape out on this earth. Life is about your love. I've seen you. Have you seen him? Have you seen him? When did you see him last? My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night because you're my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Do you see this relationship? He had seen God and now he was thoroughly addicted. He was completely convinced God is my all in all. I must seek his face. It's the highest form. Not many do it. People go to prayer meetings and pray request prayers. They sing songs and listen to sermons. We go to our connect groups. But who will seek God? Who will have the heart of a pilgrim and say, I've got to give an hour, two hours. I'm going to strike out a morning every now and then. I'm going to take a holiday day out of my work time. Strike out a day. I must have the face of God, not just the things of God. I must have the person of God, not just the possessions of God. I must have God. I'm, I'm craving and requiring of necessity his face. I've got to be closer than I am today. I'll be honest with you. I get like this. I get frustrated. Anybody? Oh, I get bored with churchianity. I want him. And so I tell you what I do. This is, this is how do you pray for eight hours? People ask. It's really simple. You certainly don't pray requests for eight hours. You don't repeat the Our Father or even the Hail Mary for all that time. Sometimes I'll walk for an hour and for a whole hour all I say is, God, I'm craving you. I'm craving you. I must have you. We were in a conference earlier this week full of wonderful church people and ministry and blah, blah, blah. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And, you know, all the singing was going on around about me. And at one point, I just looked up to heaven. I had to get away from all the singing. Eventually, it gets to me. Too many meetings can take you far from God. <laughs> and I looked at God in my heart. I say, God, I never want to become that crusty old minister that goes through the motions, but has forgotten that he's seen you in the sanctuary, beheld you. I never want to get away from striking out days, sometimes even weeks, out of my calendar just to seek the face of God. 
I never want to get away from giving time at night to God. I never want to get away from getting out my pad and a pen again and saying, just talk to me. Talk to me again. That's why we're here. To know him. His love is even better than the best possible life on this earth. To be close to him is incredible. Just imagine for a moment as I close. If you go back a few hundred years, a good few hundred years, men and women, they give up their life. Say, I sell all my possessions. I don't want to own anything. I'll take off my nice clothes and I'll put on some kind of slightly itchy coat. I want to go and live in a desert or a cave. Or even as you go north in this country, you'll find islands with little huts and caves and buildings built into the side overlooking a sea. And there a man or a woman so desiring of God would give up everything just to sit overlooking the sea and say, God, I want my heart to be near your heart. You see, seeking God is a lost art form. We struggle to be even alone for 10 minutes with our Savior and actually get to know him. Don't let seeking his face be a lost art to you. He died to live very close, closer than your very skin, so that you could sit. I'm not saying sell everything. Get a monk's habit. Go live in a Scottish Isle. But I am slightly envious of all the removal of distraction to say, God, I want my heart to not crave another TV show or another nice meal or another bit of fun or even leisure that pretends to be filling and fulfilling. My heart will only be nourished by you. That's why you were born. If you go from Genesis to Revelation, you will find the story of the entire Bible is this. God wants to live with you. And he literally says that. I want to dwell among you. So somehow, without putting on a habit and buying an island up in Scotland, we need to learn to seek God's face again. Even just to waste 25 minutes at the end of a Sunday morning, perhaps saying or singing nothing more than, God, I crave you. Or even as I have to do, if I'm going to be very real with you, and I'm sure we all will, God, I'm worried that I'm not craving you. I'm worried that I'm dull. I'm worried that someone can be so passionate about you and it not move me. That's a very real prayer. And I've been there. I've sit there in congregations going, God, I'm not moved like that guy then the best prayer prayer to pray is a real one. God, move me because I'm not being moved. I've been hardened by sin's deceitfulness, the Bible puts it. I I filled my heart with other stuff. I'm full of the fast food of the world. God, I want to have a meal from heaven. Seek him while he may be found. Seek him while he may be found.